4: I had some opinions on where this is all going to go politically, both the the abortion issue, the banning books issue, all this stuff that has flown out of essentially MAGA land, right? Mitt Romney has come out and said that he thinks Donald Trump is probably going to be the Republican Party's nominee in 2024. Now, part of me is like, bring it on right? Because most of America has figured out that Trump is a con man and a grifter and all that kind of thing. And I don't believe that he can win another election. Part of me, though, is also very concerned that Trump, with a little help from Russia and some of his other friends, might, and particularly the fact that they're stacking packing these election commissions and boards all around the country, every single one in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, every single one of these people who had stood in the way of Donald Trump overturning the last election and committing an actual coup has been replaced or is being challenged right now. Mitt Romney said, and I quote, I don't delude myself into thinking I have a big swath of the Republican Party. It's hard to imagine anything that would derail his support. So if he wants to become the nominee in 24 i think he's very likely to achieve that and romney has a pretty good insight into this stuff he was once the republican party's nominee for president a couple of weeks ago he was booed in absentia he was not even there at a utah he's the senator from utah at a utah republican party meeting which is pretty amazing is it possible that Donald Trump could be making a comeback, or is it gonna be Ron DeSantis? I mean, is the Republican, I guess the question is, and I put this to you very straightforward, has the Republican party gone full fascist? Predicate that on the assumption that Trump and DeSantis are actual fascists. They are willing to corrupt the state to gain and hold power. They are willing to lie to the people in order to gain and hold power willing to use the power of the state against their political enemies. I mean, just look at DeSantis, that one woman who, uh, you know, back a couple of years ago, who outed him for lying about COVID statistics for political purposes. And he had the police smash down her door and, and, and take her computers. So the question is, has the Republican Party gone full fascist? And if so, can they take over our government? In the 2022 and 2024 elections, I think this is a genuine threat. They have already taken at least 20 states in the United States, and those states are changing laws as rapidly as they can. Will the blowback against the row, against overturning Roe be enough to awaken people and get them to the polls this fall and in 2024? I honestly don't know. I'm hopeful. We are very much at a turning point in the United States right now. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to recognize that. My rant from HartmanReport.com today, the Supreme Court is using religion to alter what should be secular law. I mean, generally speaking, and I make this point in the article, Democrats don't like to talk about religion. I mean, Democrats, typically you ask about religion and politics, and they'll point out that Thomas Paine and Benjamin Franklin were atheists, and Thomas Jefferson and a bunch of the other founders were deists, which was very popular in the 1780s, 1770s. Deists are not Christians, and they're very close to atheists. Uh, they think that something started the universe, and it's just run according to natural law ever since. And that uh, in two different places in the Constitution, the Constitution explicitly says that religion can't interfere with government and government can't interfere with religion. That's, you know, this is the story that Democrats will tell you. But uh, the point that I make in the article at HartmanReport.com today is that it's time to discuss religion, whether we like it or not, because it's no longer just knocking on our door. Sam Alito just sent it into the house with a no-knock warrant and uh, stun grenades that threaten to catch the place on fire. I mean, this is the the Dobbs v. Jackson draft opinion that has been leaked. And, of course, uh, the entire right wing, they don't want to talk about the fact that abortion is going to be illegal because they're figuring out that a very small minority, about 26 percent of Americans, are in favor of abortion being illegal. The vast majority of Americans want basically Roe v. Wade. In other words, some regulation of abortion, a lot of regulation of abortion in the third trimester some regulation the second trimester and basically you know wide open in the first trimester and so there are two premises that the court or that alito uses in his uh, draft opinion two main premises the first is that the supreme court has no business recognizing a right that is not part of the history and tradition of america now the right not to be a slave You know, I suppose you could. Uh, Anyway, this is just a right-wing canard, you know. This has been used by these guys to argue against pretty much every form of modernity since probably since the automobile. It's certainly been used in favor of maintaining segregated public schools. More recently, it's been used against gay marriage. Well, there there was no gay marriage when the founders were around. How dare you? And so Alito is saying, well, you know, uh, having laws against abortion is part of our heritage turns out he's not so correct i did a deep dive on this yesterday when i was researching this to write this op-ed the year that virginia got their anti-abortion law and it was actually not even an anti-abortion law it was was a, a law regulating abortion who could perform abortions was 1847 that was the year that the american medical association incorporated Why this coincidence? Well, because the anti abortion laws, most of them that were passed in the 1800s, were not about religion. They were about saying that midwives could no longer deliver babies or perform abortions. This was exclusively the province of doctors. But I think it's really important to note that Ben Franklin had been dead more than a half a century when Virginia got its law. Mississippi got its first abortion regulation in 1839. George Washington had been dead a full 40 years at that point. This is not part of the history of the revolutionary era in America. It's just very straightforward. South Dakota got their law regulating abortion in 1899, Delaware, Tennessee, and South Carolina, 1883, North Carolina, 1881, Kentucky, 1879. I did look this up. North Dakota, 1877, Utah and Georgia, 1876, Oklahoma, 1875. The first state and pretty much the only state that wasn't regulating abortion for the benefit of male doctors was Massachusetts in 1812. And Massachusetts was so filled with the religious right-wingers in 1812, well, and before that, you know, a century before that, that when Ben Franklin was 17 years old in 1723, he famously fled Massachusetts and moved to Philadelphia, specifically, as he writes about it at some length in his autobiography, specifically because the religious fanatics were running the state of Massachusetts. Which brings us to Alito's second point, About why he wants to outlaw uh, abortion, which is religion. He keeps repeating this phrase, "unborn human beings," throughout the decision. But when is humanness real? This is a religious question. At one extreme end, you've got uh, religions who argue that a baby isn't a baby until it draws its first breath. Genesis 2, right? This is. Been around for a long time, this this idea. Then you have people who say, well, you know, it's a human being at viability. That's what Roe v. Wade says. And then you've got, you know, some, the the old religious perspective, and, and Alito even references this in his decision, at quickening, which is typically around 22 weeks, where, you know, the baby starts kicking. But there are some who say, no, it's a human being at fertilization. And you've got one major religion that says, no, it's a human being when God decides it's going to happen. And so, you know, the, the couple are feeling horny and frisky and they're going to hop into bed and therefore there can't be birth control. It's You know, it's a human being functionally, even though the, the egg is not yet fertilized. These are essentially all questions of belief. They're all variations on when does a soul inhabit a body, which is a religious question. I mean, as recently as the 1960s, theologians were debating this stuff uh, in the pages of Christianity Today and Christian Life magazine, etc. So, and in fact, Alito himself, he writes, there is ample evidence that the passage of anti-abortion laws was spurred by a sincere belief that abortion kills a human being. Yes, it's a belief. But this is just a piece of a larger fabric. Last year in Tandon v. Newsom, these same five right-wing justices went, again, too far for even John Roberts ruling 5-4, to That a person's religion was the basis for refusing to go along with covid lockdowns the year before that they ruled basically the same thing in roman catholic diocese of brooklyn versus cuomo the churches could ignore public health orders and subject their parishioners to a deadly disease because of the personal belief of the leader of the church the court picked up steam on this uh, you know with burwell v. hobby lobby that said that employers can violate federal employment law if they want because of their personal beliefs, even if their employees don't share those beliefs, this had to do with with uh, insurance. Masterpiece Cake, the court ruled that a business can discriminate against their customers based on the business's religious belief that the owner's belief that gay people are hated by God. And now religious people are free to claim a whole wide variety of exceptions from American law, from conditions of employment to even common decency. By simply shouting, I believe. So where is this going to go? I mean, under this draft Dobbs decision, women's bodies have legally become the property of the state, arguably from the moment of intercourse. Is this going to revive Mike Pence's period registry so that women can be tracked to identify abortions? Is the government going to mandate that women must collect and preserve the remains of miscarriages for burial with a licensed funeral home, as Mike Pence tried to put into law when he was governor of Indiana? I mean, this is an open assault on bodily autonomy, the right of women to make their own medical decisions, and the right of a family to choose to have or not to have children. And in my opinion, law in the United States should be based on secular consensus in the most recent science, not on somebody's religion. Roe v. Wade said, you don't have to go to an abortion clinic if you don't think that you should have an abortion. If you think abortions are wrong, don't get one. You don't even have to go into the parking lot. You can ignore it completely. But that's not where we're at right now. Every single member of this court who has signed on to this decision was put on the court by a president who did not win the majority of the vote and was confirmed by a group of senators representing fewer than half of Americans. And this was engineered by you know right-wingers who proudly proclaim their belief that America should be run along religious lines. We have to get out to vote this fall. Make sure that your voter registration is still there particularly if you live in a red state with a Republican Secretary of State, they are purging Democrats as we speak. And this summer and fall, the registration window is going to close. Get active. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week and it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two ends, or enter the code Hartman, with two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman.
2: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
4: Teresa in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Teresa, what's up?
0: Separation of church and state. It is in the Constitution. And I think that is our strongest argument for um, <clears throat> for getting our rights back with uh, abortion health care. Um, and I just want to say, you know, the question we can ask is if the courts can if the states can outlaw a medical procedure based on someone's religious beliefs, I mean, what's next?
4: Well, they, they have, yeah, let's, let's be clear here, Teresa, they, they have not only outlawed abortion, the states have also outlawed, outlawed euthanasia. And, I, you know, I get it that there's this whole death with dignity uh, thing, but, you know, it's uh, I, I don't see this so much as a slippery slope. I think it's largely confined to abortion, I guess, is the point that I'm making. Although the what's next, I mean, if it stays with abortion, then do we get Mike Pence's law in Indiana that says that every miscarriage has to that you have to preserve the tissue that comes out and 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 and, and go to a, a licensed funeral home and pay five thousand dollars for cremation or a funeral? Um that? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and of course, every abortion, um, it, it, although abortion won't even exist any longer if there's a, you know a federal law against it. I mean, where do they go with this? And. And and what are the consequences for people? Um, it's it's serious yeah, stuff.
0: Remember, remember when the right wingers were all just up in arms about quote unquote Sharia law? I mean, this is are. what we need to throw back at them. Yep,
4: <laughs> yeah, this is Christian Sharia law. You're absolutely right. This Supreme Court decision may inure a benefit to Democrats in the election this fall, and in the election in 2024. And the thing that. Tells me that this is more than just an idle hope, and I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you think this is right or not. Is that the Republican Study Committee, this think tank that basically issues talking points for Republicans, has put out a memo to elected Republicans all around the country. They did this yesterday, saying basically, don't talk about abortion don't talk about roe v wade talk about how terrible it is that some liberal must have leaked this thing to the press in other words focus on the leak not the fact that abortion is going to become illegal in the united states now why would they be telling elected republicans why would an organization that's got researchers and focus groups Why would an organization that has access to that kind of data, that that does polling, they, they know where America's at, why would they be telling elected Republicans, don't talk about abortion, talk about leaks? And in fact, over at Fox News, all they've been talking about is, oh my God, leaks. Must be some liberal who leaked this thing. They're trying to make us look bad. Well, the odds are actually much higher it was a conservative who leaked it. Uh, because they're, you know, they're they're afraid that some of these, uh, that Roberts is lobbying some of the five right-wingers who have signed on to this tentative agreement by Alito. He's been lobbying them to soften the blow, as it were. If a conservative leaks this, that will pretty much cement it in place. You know, I agree with that. But still, on Fox News and on right-wing hate radio, pretty much all you're going to hear right now is about the leak. You're not going to hear them say, abortion should become illegal because only fewer than a third of americans agree with that particularly if you throw in rape and incest then you're down to like 10 percent of americans think that we should have illegal abortion including for women who have been raped or are the victims of incest so the fact that the republican study committee is saying this to republic to elected republicans across the country tells me for certain that this is a losing this is going to hurt the gop whatever happened to the right to bodily autonomy i pose this as a serious question the idea that your body is your body and you can do with it what you want what got me thinking about this was a post over on democratic underground yesterday of this uh, is it really just your body i don't know frankly where it came from a repost of a repost of a repost but what the person wrote originally was fun fact if my younger sister was in a car accident and desperately needed a blood transfusion to stay alive and i was the only person on earth who could donate blood to save her even though donating blood is relatively easy safe and quick procedure no one can force me to give blood yes even to save the life of a fully grown person it's illegal to force me to donate blood if I don't want to. See, there's this concept called bodily autonomy. It's this cultural notion that a person's control over their own body is above all important and must not be infringed upon. Like we can't even take life-saving organs from corpses unless the person whose corpse it is gave their consent before their death. Even corpses have bodily autonomy. And now you're asking people who can become pregnant to accept less bodily autonomy than we grant to dead bodies. This is pretty mind-boggling. This decision, the Supreme Court decision that Sam Alito has written in draft form, another thing I found just amazing about it is that he was quoting Sir Matthew Hale. A couple hundred years ago, Hale was a famous judge, and at the time, you know, when he was alive, actually sentenced witches to death and said that the death penalty should be limited to people over 13 years of age, 14 years of age and older. Just stuff that today we would say, uh, you know, not so excited about putting witches to death. But when I first read that Hale was being quoted by Alito, I assumed it was about, you know, one of one of the issues that that Hale was actually kind of all about, which is federalism. Which is the idea, you know, the idea that you have a central government that has the power to limit or grant rights. In the United States, we don't call it granting rights, we call it limiting government from preventing rights, but it's almost a distinction without meaning these days. But in a federal system, You have, you know, the federal government establishing some large overarching principles. And then you have individual jurisdictions, the states, the counties, you know, the wards, whatever it may be, that can make their own rules. And so I was fully expecting Sam Alito to, if he was going to quote Hale, when I heard he was quoting Hale, to be quoting him saying something like, and I'm sorry, I don't have, you know, Hale quotes right off the top of my head, but words to the effect of, This should not be an issue that a federal government should involve itself with. This should be left to the states. But instead, Alito is quoting Hale saying that abortion is a crime. Well, 200 years ago, which is particularly interesting. I think Alito was really, really, really reaching here. Because the fact of the matter is that abortion was not illegal in the United States. Hale, unless I'm remembering wrong, was a British judge, not an American judge, A. But B, abortion was not illegal until the 1800s. There were no abortion laws in the early colonies. There were no abortion laws in the first basically 100 years of America. I know of none passed before the Civil War. If you know of some, you know, let me know. Maybe I'm missing something here. But the cornerstone of Alito's argument is that america has no history of legal abortion well yes we do so if we do have a history that goes back to colonial times of legal abortion or of the federal government not prohibiting abortion and most states if not all states not prohibiting abortion that blows up his entire argument and so he has to go find some ancient jurist who liked to put witches to death To quote, to say, no, abortion is a crime. We believe it 200 years ago, 300 years ago. This tells me that these guys are stretching, not just the truth, I mean, and the law. They are stretching so hard and so far to accomplish their religious goals, which make no mistake, this is a religious debate. So whatever happened to the right of bodily autonomy? It's rapidly disappearing. You can still you know, prevent your body from being used for parts after you die. You have bodily autonomy even after you're dead, but if you're a woman and you're impregnated and you're carrying around a thimble full of tissue, you may not exercise your right to bodily autonomy, sorry. I'm looking at this Tennessee bill. The article I'm looking at is by Danielle Moore, over at the Today Show's website. And the headline is new Tennessee bill would allow rapists, families, and friends to sue if victims have an abortion. A House bill 2779. It's modeled after the Texas six-week abortion ban. And it would allow anybody to sue, just like that, regardless of any standing they have in the case, would get a $10,000 fine. And State Representative Bob Freeman, who's a Democrat, during the hearing on this legislation, stood up and asked the uh, Rebecca Alexander, Republican State Representative Rebecca Alexander, the author of the bill, or the sponsor of the bill, if it would allow family members friends spouses or neighbors of rapists the rapist's brother the rapist's parents the rapist's uh, relatives the rapist's next door neighbor the rapist's friends or spouse to sue a person if they obtained an abortion and state representative republican state representative alexander said My assumption is that they could, other than the rapist. Isn't that considerate? In Tennessee, only the rapist won't be allowed to sue if a woman gets an abortion after she's been impregnated by rape, by a rapist. Freeman, the the Democrat, said this bill, while it's being framed as an anti-abortion bill, is really not doing anything to further restrict abortion. It's really just going to bring all sorts of lawsuits and force people to have to potentially answer questions about a miscarriage. The Today Show notes that the last year that we have statistics for, 2019, there were 5,796 sexual assaults reported to Tennessee law enforcement agencies. The age group of women who had the highest level of reported sexual assaults, rapes, were between the ages of 14 and 17. This Democratic state representative, Mr. Freeman, he said, my wife is the president of the Sexual Assault Center here in Nashville, and the stories that she has shared with me, young 13-year-olds who have, who have become impregnated by a family member, I mean rape and incest, and you're essentially saying, tough luck, honey, we know it's best for you? To me, that's just appalling. Just amazing. They want to take us to where Mike Pence was taking us, where you have basically, what, uh, the state keeping track of who's having periods when so that we we can know who might have had a miscarriage and track down illegal abortions so that somebody can sue? This is getting wild. What are the economic impacts for women, for society, for America of the loss of the right to abortion as we're on the verge of Roe v. Wade being struck down? We'll, we'll see how, how this decision gets tweaked between now and June or July, but it, it, it looks like a pretty certain thing. Noreen Farrell is on the line with us, civil rights attorney, executive director with Equal Rights Advocates. Equalrights.org is the website. Feral Era is Noreen's uh, Twitter handle, along with Equal Rights Adv. Noreen, welcome to the program. What will the economic impact be? I, I, you know, I think it's it's fairly obvious the some of the other more emotional and family impacts, but the economic impact of this.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's such a critical critical question because I think the only thing that has mattered. More uh, about abortion access in in this country than Roe v. Wade has been the economic power and privilege of of certain people to access reproductive health care. It is impossible for women and others to participate in the workplace unless they can plan when and if they have children. And, um, you know, this is such a blow to that that autonomy that's critical to women entering the professions they want, staying in it, being able to advance um, at the pace they want based on their merit. And so we anticipate a major fallout, unless we can mobilize other strategies to make sure that that those reproductive choices are protected in other ways.
4: When I started my first business back in the late 60s or early 70s, there was a help wanted women's section in the paper and a help wanted men's section in the paper. And if you asked anybody why that difference, uh, a, there was all these obvious things, You know, women couldn't even get credit cards at that time without a man's signature. But the typical response was, well, women can always get pregnant, so you can't rely on them in the workplace. Are we going back to that if this happens, back to a time when, when uh, women's position in the workplace, you know, from an employer's point of view and, and arguably from society's point of view, is shaky relative to that of men?
5: You know, we we're actually already there, Tom. Uh, you know, we we represent women in low-paid industries that, as soon as they get pregnant and ask for an accommodation, they're pushed out on early earlier leaves than they need to be. And so, this was already a very tenuous situation for you know many in 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 jobs where they have little uh, bargaining power. And so, to think that they can't even control that. As they might otherwise, Uh, they have to travel across states um, to manage their reproductive choices. It it really um, it really builds on what we see most, especially in low-paid industries, about that exact thing that women's pregnancies are continually used to against them, or the fact that they could become pregnant um, is you know we know that that bias is real in the workplace, and uh, this can only compound that.
4: You are a civil rights attorney. Can you put this in the context of civil rights law and, and the civil rights movement and the women's right movement, rights movement that uh, you know, arguably ha- you know, goes back to the founding of the republic, but most visibly since the 60s and 70s, um, how those two movements are in, in many ways part of the same stream?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that uh, early in the civil rights movement, the understanding that reproductive bodily autonomy was just a tenant of uh, economic freedom and advancement at work and school. And so those have have gone hand in hand in terms of the movement. And I think that I think in some levels, obviously uh, Roe v. Wade never guaranteed abortion access. We've had legislative process like the Hyde Amendment refusing to pay for abortions for poor women. Uh, women who, can, who don't have the resources to access this. So it's it's really it's it is just um, it, it's a picture of a lot of um, intersecting needs and movements not just of women but of gender expansive people that intersect with with what you know people are experiencing as people of color and immigrants and so you know we really view that it's going to be incumbent upon the movement to see itself as intersectional and partnering um, with um, previously siloed other pieces of the economic and, and civil rights movement to really address the harm and the fallout from this particular decision
4: to 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 what extent do you see this decision altering specifically altering the status of women in America and 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 how how is that going to i mean it, only, fewer than a third of Americans are in favor of Roe v. Wade being overturned this is very much a minority decision it was made by uh, justices all of them who are voting for this who were uh, put on the court by, by presidents who did not win the majority of the votes. <laughs> you know, the Senate uh, is blocking anything to do about this by Republicans who don't represent a majority of Americans. I mean, this is bizarre. Um, uh, how, how is this going to affect movement politics in America and, frankly, partisan politics?
5: You know, I, I obviously we anticipate and hope a very energized base. Um, But, you know, I want to you know, we also really want to emphasize that this decision in order to energize that base, this decision does not stop at abortion. There were a number of cases referenced in Justice Alito's decision, draft decision that implicate the right of privacy, the right to contraception, interracial marriage, uh, same sex marriage. And so, you know, all of these rights are potentially implicated by the analysis of Alito. Now, whether or not the more moderate judges can pull that back in the final, the final decision remains to be seen. But I really read a decision that uh, of, a, of a justice incredibly emboldened, not just by four other justices, but by um, many behind the country, really energizing its base with this partisan issue. I do think that. Um, To the extent that there will be a a potential legislative um, or or additional constitutional move uh, passing the Equal Rights Amendment finally um, that is contingent upon a Congress that is not completely stalemated and filibustered. We need to get people to the polls um, and both both sides will likely be doing that to energize their base um, because this is coming down to, you know, autonomy, freedom, the ability to make your own life decisions. And uh, it the the last line of defense in our courts is completely gone. There has been a green light not only to Mississippi, but the 26 other states that have uh, enacted these abortion bans or that are considering them. I think there are about 13 that have trigger provisions just waiting for this moment. And so the impacts are going to be real, immediate, economic, Um, and and fundamental justice impacts that, uh, you know, I I think that there is hope that it'll galvanize people to the polls.
4: We're talking with Noreen Farrell, the civil rights attorney and executive director of Equal Rights Advocates. Um, Equalrights.org is the website. To wrap this up, could you tell us a little bit about Equal Rights Advocates and, you know, what y'all are doing and, and how people can get involved?
5: thank you and it is equal rights advocates because we have we you. have we have plural rights um we're an organization that's been around for nearly 50 years fighting for gender justice at all its intersections and race and class and lgbt status etc um in the courts um, we've we've litigated before uh you know the supreme court justices on core economic uh, workplace justice issues we really push bold policy reform uh, we're working uh to combat poverty we workplace justice, uh, family friendly workplaces um, in California and in states across the country. And hopefully one day we'll be able to actually make some movement on the federal level so that our rights don't uh, rely on our zip code. And we're doing that in partnership with a lot of people in this movement. And, uh, you know, we're really grateful that we're standing together at this very devastating time for the movement.
4: Indeed, it is. It really is. And, and hopefully it'll be a launching pad for the next phase. Noreen yes. Farrell, thank you so much.
5: Thank you so much.
4: Great talking with you. Equalrights.org is the website, Feralera ERA is Noreen's personal Twitter handle, and Equal Rights ADV is the organization's Equal Rights Advocates Twitter handle. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees' distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash hartman. That's netsuite.com slash hartman.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
4: Garrett in Alexandria, Virginia. Hey, Garrett. What's on your mind? Oh, hi, Tom. How are you doing? Good. Sounds like you're in a demonstration.
7: I am standing in front of the Supreme Court right now, actually. And first and foremost, we need a lot more people out here. If you are of age and you are considering contraception, it now. If you have kids or know any kids, let them know that they can go to their doctor in most states without their parents at a certain age and can start contraceptive care before being 18 without the knowledge of their parents. Just look it up by, by state law.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: And really if The other thing we need to do, just as a country, is talk about and teach sex education to to kids because I can't tell you how many patients I've had come in that still believe you cannot get pregnant the first time you have sex.
8: Wow.
4: Yeah, sex education is really important. Garrett, I'm, I'm sorry that we're just being overwhelmed here by, by the audio behind it. But I look forward to talking to you again about this subject. Thank you very much for the call. Tom in North Hollywood, California. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today?
7: Anybody in the listening audience or anything can come up with a different word than Christians, because these people are not Christians.
4: No, they're religious fundamentalists.
7: Catholic. These people are religious fundamentalists. These or the Christian are- Taliban right some well not. I mean to me a Christian means someone that's following in the footsteps of Christ doing as Christ would have done that's what Christian means well, to me then there are very and few these Christians. people don't do <laughs> these people don't do anything that has to do with Christianity yeah. and for them to even be able to hold on to that title is absolutely ridiculous yeah. so I would just really ask that if there's a way that anybody in the listening audience can come up with a different name I thought of chino Christian and name only um, you know, or zealots, um, or like I said, there's maybe someone out there that can come up with a name, um, because I consider myself a Christian, but I'm a Christian because I follow in the footsteps of Christ. I try to live my life like Christ did. I also am someone that is um, um, against, I, I, am, I am so pro-life. I'm pro-life when it comes to um, uh, a woman's right to choose, but I think it's her choice. I am pro-life when it comes to war. I am pro-life when it comes to capital punishment. I am pro-life when it comes to everything under the ground. Um, and these people are not. Yeah. These people do not deserve the... the well, these are the same people
4: deserve- who say that, you know, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to have an abortion, but once that baby is born, we don't want to educate it. We, we don't want to pay for housing or food or, you know, uh, health care. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, no, it is your problem now. Uh, now that we've forced it on you. Yeah, yeah, Tom, good points all. Dave in Northampton, Massachusetts. Hey, Dave, what's up?
3: A woman's right to choose is usually framed in terms of a right to privacy. And I've always wondered why uh, at least a religious freedom argument wasn't included in there, because the whole notion of, of the whole argument for the anti-choice side is that personhood begins at conception. And that's a religious and moral and philosophical position that is not shared by by uh, even the mainstream Protestant or Catholics, and it's certainly not shared by the main uh, the you know the predominant the uh, numbers of Americans. So I, w- I wonder why, uh, if you had any insight on on why a religious freedom argument uh, on behalf of that wasn't included more in the arguments that were made.
4: I do, and I've been rolling around an op-ed for, for a couple of days about specifically that, because it's quite clear to me that this decision of, of the Supreme Court um, is not grounded in science. It's not grounded even in politics. It's grounded in religion. And what we're looking at is a, you know, the uh, a major shot, a cannon blast in the religious wars in the United States. So the, the war, the attempt of religion to dominate politics. And this is like the pinnacle of that. But I think that you are absolutely right. Dave, thanks a lot for the call. AJ in Tampa, Florida. Hey, AJ, what's up?
3: I've been listening to your show and, you know, many other shows. And I really think that everybody's putting all of their um, blame on the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, um, you know, arguments have been made by, you know, legal scholars all over the place about whether or not that the Supreme Court should have taken this up or not. My issue is that with the idea that this, you know, law could be overturned or the decision from the court could be overturned, I blame the legislators because they're the ones who write laws. And if there was any question about this being overturned, why didn't the legislature take this up? I'm with you, know. you A.J. I,
4: I have been this is, saying this uh, for the 19 years I've been doing this show. Um, the, uh, this should have happened in 1974 when, when Roe v. Wade was decided in 73. They, they changed the law. They essentially wrote law, the Supreme Court did. And in my opinion, the Supreme Court should not be writing law, and, but they did. And that opened this opportunity for the United States Congress to then put into law that decision. And it's yep. been 49 years since that happened, and they haven't gotten around to it. And I, you know, and 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 Democratic leadership has to own some of that. Um, the Republican leadership obviously is not going to do this, but, but yeah, I'm with you. And and now there's an effort to do this. It has all, uh, you know, a a law that would essentially put Roe back in or put it into law has already passed the House of Representatives. It is being blocked in the Senate by a Republican filibuster, and. You know, they're going to try, I guess, you know, Chuck Schumer said yesterday, um, you know, somebody asked him at a press conference, are you going to try and and push this through again? And he said, yes, we're going to try and push it through again. It's a whole new world. And they may pick up a couple of Republican votes like Susan Collins and and Lisa Murkowski, who seem to be pro-choice. I don't know if there are any other Republicans who are pro choice, but then you've still got Joe Manchin who is, uh, you know, who's anti abortion, who's, who's uh, you know, a forced pregnancy guy. And, and uh, you know, he, he's applauding this decision by the Supreme Court. So, you know, he's not going to vote for, for suspending the filibuster or to over. Actually, you can't even suspend the filibuster and, and pass this kind of thing by reconciliation because reconciliation can only be used for legislation that involves money. And this doesn't involve money it involves abortion so it's going to require 60 votes in the senate And i don't know where we're going to get those 60 votes aj well what
3: i would what i would love for i mean you've got a platform and a lot of other people have the platform is to use this as the lightning rod to congressmen that hey every time you guys are inactive on anything it doesn't matter what the legislation is and you leave it to the judiciary to make the laws then they have the potential of voting on laws that we don't want and you know instead of blaming the supreme court and blaming you know the conservatives that have been put on there why don't we put the focus on where it's supposed to be on congress and, and stop blaming the supreme court it shouldn't have been their decision anyway
4: you know in 1980 when ronald reagan uh, chose george D- herbert walker bush as his running mate at that point in time, George Herbert Walker Bush's wife, Barbara, was heavily involved with Planned Parenthood. They were big advocates and big donors to Planned Parenthood. They were totally pro-choice. Ronald Reagan was totally pro-choice. He had signed the most liberal abortion bill in America as governor of California, including state funding for abortions. Reagan was all in on all that stuff. But they came, they, they needed votes. And uh, George Herbert Walker Bush's son, George W. Bush, they they essentially hired him as a campaign consultant. He had overcome alcoholism by embracing evangelical Christianity, and he was like, hey, there are millions of people in the churches, and you need to reach out to these people. And one of the ways you can reach out to them is to change your position on abortion and become, uh, you know, and, and start advocating for the overthrow of Roe v. Wade. The response of most of the institutional Republicans in 1980 was, yeah, that's never going to happen. And George W. Bush and you know Ralph Reed and all these other guys, their response was, "Of course, it's never going to happen," which means you'll be able to use it as an issue that will help you win elections for decades. Well, they've been doing that. You know, you got the Hyde Amendment in there that gets attached to almost every single piece of legislation that says that, yes, this military appropriations bill cannot be used to fund abortions. Yes, this housing bill cannot be used to fund abortions. And so Republicans have been using this abortion issue for literally 40 years to leverage votes and wave this flag of how wonderful they are And frankly, I think Democrats need to start doing the same. We need to come up with our version of the Hyde Amendment that says that you may not restrict a woman's right to get an abortion or to have access to birth control. And we need to be pushing this really, really hard. It's very straightforward stuff. And frankly, I think it's good politics, given that fewer than 30% of Americans actually think that abortion should become outlawed in the
6: United States.
4: Sheila in Talent, Oregon. Hey, hey, Sheila, what's on your mind? There? The Supreme Court decision and what it's going to do to women's uh,
2: rights. Are you familiar with John Stuart
4: Mill? I am. Any I've read writer? it on Liberty. It was 30 years ago, but I've read it. Yeah. His uh, 1861. Of the
2: Individual?
4: Book. Yeah. Sovereignty, of Sovereignty of the
2: Individual. Sovereignty of the Individual. Uh, that was an essay, wasn't it? There's a lot I don't agree with him on other things. He was a classical liberalism, laissez faire. Yeah. At any rate, this is not what he addressed here sovereignty of the individual, which he believed was an inalienable right, self-ownership, the concept of property in one's own person expressed as the moral and natural right of a person to have bodily integrity and to be the exclusive controller of one's own body and life. I agree with with so many of your callers, including the woman who said they'll just change the law even if Congress passes it if they get a majority. We need an amendment and greater legal minds and scholarly people can put it together. But we need an amendment for the sovereignty of the individual. And we need it enumerated with health choices, productive choices, reproductive choices, gender choices, marriage choices. We need to protect the people because the 14th Amendment didn't do it. And Roe v. um, Wade, it wasn't enough. And when it comes to a de- the definition of the individual, as a, it is a being, a singular and independent of a group, class, couple, association, or association. So a fetus, in essence, is not an individual. It is attached by a placenta. It is supplied blood and nutrients from the woman's body. It is basically an appendage of her body, though it be temporary. The fetus becomes an individual at the time it becomes an infant, which is at the time of delivery and the cutting of the cord and the first breath. It's about the only time I'm going to agree with the Bible. Mm. And so um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take. I'll probably have passed away by this time. I am old enough to know what it was like before women had a right to abortions. When I was 18, I witnessed the death of a young woman my age die from a botched abortion when she was brought into the emergency room and i was the only one to receive her at that time Wow! and i watched her life slip away she was not poor she was not a girl of color she was a girl who made a mistake or was a victim of rape i'll never know because she never became conscious enough to tell me and um but she was a middle class girl that i knew because i saw her parents they could have probably paid for an abortion but it was illegal Mm -hmm. and she was ashamed and she wanted to get on she was in college yeah. And that's what her roommate said. And it was her roommate's father that brought her in, this little, this form, this, this girl whose yeah. life was taken away from her because of a decision.
4: And that, usually this um, this happens so quietly, Sheila. I, old men. I recall when I was in high school, there was a girl that, that I didn't know personally. I mean, I, I knew who she was. I could recognize her. And she just stopped coming to school one day. And then maybe a month or two later, we heard that she had died from bleeding out or sepsis from a, an, mm-hmm. a, an attempted self-administered abortion. And she just vanished. People didn't even want to talk about it. It was like, you just didn't, no. you, you know, you didn't discuss these things.
2: I was a nurse's aide and I was trained to work in the emergency room to help out. It was the second death I'd attended. And for an 18 year old, that's that's a lot. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I was pretty mature for my age and the nurses were, had made a decision that I was going to be a nurse because I was good at it. and. Um, they helped train me and sort of prepared me for it, and it just became my calling. And I became a critical care ICU yeah. um, RN. I stayed that way most of my life, so I've seen a lot. I know what the consequences can be, and there isn't no reason. For, there is no good reason for this. I I went this way because I thought I could not get terribly emotional and terribly angry and swear a lot and get beeped off the air. Mm -hmm. But I am so tired of a bunch of right-wing conservative white men, because this is much more than abortion. This is about women's rights in, in general. This is a war on women. It is also a war on gender. It will be a war on LGBTQ. It is, it's just... They want something that they think is American, and it is not. And as somebody who's a mongrel with family from in the indigenous community of Montana to the Roma community of the Ukraine, I am so effing mad I could just about run over somebody twice. Yeah, I get it. And it's a good thing I'm not in Washington, D.C.
4: I get it. Sheila, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your experience and your, your okay. wisdom and story so with us. Good
2: luck, and, and keep it up, because um, there are a few lights in this darkness right now, and I just look at the young girls, and I say, do you just, you just go, because pretty soon they'll tell you you can't tattoo yourself or pierce yourself, because your body's a temple, and their God says you can't do that.
4: Right. Yeah. No, it's coming. It's coming. G- uh, Sheila, thank you. Thank you so much. Luigi in Pensacola, Florida. Hey, Luigi, what's up?
1: wow how do i talk that she was great Tom, yeah. <laughs> a couple of things if i may first of all i was i was catching up in my reading last night and i was reading your hotman report for april 29th in it you mentioned uh, that representative Ileana ross Leighton sponsored hate uh, house resolution 748 the child interstate abortion notification act and i know how precise you are because believe me i have files of everything you you uh, put on, I, I print out and keep files on it, and Ileana Ross, lehtinen did not run, so it may have been another year, it did, she did not run, she no longer in the Congress. I remember ah, Ileana okay. when I, was, I
4: I pulled that off a news story, and it must have been from a previous news cycle. My apologies, uh, Luigi. Thank no, you No, no, sir, I just wanted to... I'll go fix it. Yeah,
1: and... I knew that, I knew her and her husband, Dexter, he was crazy. The man was a brilliant man, he was my state senator, and he would argue with the columns and, as people stood away, he would argue forcibly with the, the, the granite columns in the state capital in Florida, and then the next day, to see his wife show up, Ileana, she was bruised, black-eyed, he was very
4: abusive. Oh, you mean he was actually really? legitimately mentally ill? Really yeah, crazy. he was. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Amazing. But
1: on, on an optimistic note that you talked about, I read this morning that Michigan State Representative, uh, what's his name, Robert Reagan, lost his election to a Democrat in Michigan. And he was, when he was, uh, and what's her name? Her name is Carol, good grief. I had it written down here and I can't say it. Anyway, he was the gentleman, no, I can't say that. He was the person when asked about a rape section of the abortion bill in Michigan and that it didn't provide, you know, for the Rape and, uh, and, and he was asked about incest stuff. And he was asked about this, but what would he do with his three daughters? And he told, he, I, I know you've, you've heard this, he told the reporter, Well, I just tell him to lay back and enjoy it.
4: Right. I, re- and I recall. He that.
1: lost his election. He, last that's good
4: night. news. That's good news. Uh, and, he, it,
1: yeah. and it's a heavy Trump
2: area
4: yeah he's so, he's this this uh, cycle, this version, this Michigan's version of Todd Aiken the 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 uh, Missouri guy who who said that uh, you know when it's a legitimate rape, the woman's body shuts down and pregnancy never happens. Yeah. right. right. Yeah. Luigi, yeah. thanks a lot thank for the you call. So much, I, I will check I out that. You. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Back at you. Margaret in Weaverville, California. Hey, Margaret, what's on your mind today?
8: Well, first of all, thank you for what you do. You're welcome. You are a light. The one point I'd like to make is we hear about women saying they have the right, and that doesn't seem to cut it, and it doesn't seem to make any difference. So why don't we go to the child, and why don't we ask, why are these children going to come into the world that are unwanted? Thousands of children are going to come into this world unwanted. Why can't we have compassion for those children and try to make a point that they're not going to come into this world just because they have life that is going to be great?
4: In the Freakonomics book, and I don't know if this research has stood the test of time or not. This book came out about a decade ago, and it was a big deal when it came out. But in that book, they argued that the reason that crime rates started declining really substantially in the uh, early 1990s. Was because most crimes are caused by young men, and that 20 years before that, 1973, abortion was legalized, and as a consequence, there were fewer unwanted children, and those fewer unwanted children did not grow up to become criminals in the 90s. And so, uh, you know, the 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 you know, looking at this through a purely kind of academic uh, 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 lens, which is hard to do, I get, but. Um, and I get the emotion in your voice, but um, the, the major impact will be that 20 years down the road from now, you're going to see a big spike in crime because unwanted kids tend to become criminals,
8: <sighs>
4: sadly. Just ask anybody who's worked in the foster care system. Did you want to make another point before I move along to another well, guest?
8: I, I just heard Vice President Harris saying, you know, how dare them mm-hmm. say that we can't do anything that we want with our bodies. Well, from the beginning of time, we can't go and sell our bodies. We cannot make money at our bodies. So we really can't do anything that we want with our bodies anyway.
4: Yeah, that's true. And once again, this has been laws that tend to in your benefit to men rather than anybody else. Margaret, thank yes. you. Thank you very much for the call. <coughs> Jill in West Collingwood Heights, New Jersey. Hey, Jill, what's on your mind? Hi, today? Tom. How are you today? I'm great. What's up? I just have a quick branding
8: idea mm-hmm. that I came up with for the the bounty hunters and vigilante laws going after right. people having abortions. I think we should start calling them
4: Judas laws
8: because they're making money on turning in innocent.
4: I think vigilante laws is pretty strong. Judas. Judas. Religious
8: right. We get it.
4: Yeah, it makes a lot of people recoil. I get it. Okay, thank you very much for that, Jill. I appreciate the call. Susan in Portland. Hey, Susan, what's on your mind today?
0: You're telling me that me jumping off my dresser and giving myself a self-abortion when I was 12 years old after being raped by one of my brothers, I would have been put in jail, but my brothers would not have been put in jail, which is what happened. There's way too many of us that are victims of incest, even younger than me, yeah. you know, 11, 12-year-old. I'm from rural Oregon. <laughs> I'm from flippin' Albany, yeah. you know?
8: Yeah. And this actually I had happened to you.
0: Jump, Yes. Oh God, yes. I had to jump off my dresser, and and you know what? You know what resonates in my hearing this whole thing. What resonates in the back of my mind is hearing some redneck woman or whoever saying, "I'm sorry to use the word redneck," but someone saying, "Oh, buck up, girl, just jump off the red dresser like us us grown up girls do." You know what I mean? I get it. I was a little girl and I get totally it. afraid. And my brothers would not have gone to jail, but I would have. My brothers could have turned me in and gotten a $10,000 reward.
4: That's insane. Susan, thank you for sharing your story. It's, 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 It's tragic. Thanks so much for being with us today. What an intense topic. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. If ever there was a moment we needed to remember that, it's now. So get out there, get active, tag, you're in. Be good to yourself and the people around you. We'll see you tomorrow.
3: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.